Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In this episode of The Bell Tale, sports washing. There's a split in professional golf. A small number of the top players have been lured into the new Live Tour. Some major names have joined the Upstart League, including Dustin Johnson, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, and one of the greatest of his generation, Phil Mickelson. Many people have strong opinions, emotions about my choice to uh, go forward with Live Golf, and um, I understand and I respect that. The controversy, one of the tour's sources of funding, is the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. It's been paid for by the government of Saudi Arabia, a kingdom many regard as having a poor human rights record. The highly secretive kingdom has long been plagued with accusations of brutality in its justice system. The Saudi justice system is executing people who uh, have committed what wouldn't even be considered offences in many other countries. Are the golfers taking blood money? I saw the value of what the product was really about for the players to be able to expand their wealth. What will it mean for the game? These guys are out for themselves. When you hear any of these players say they're just trying to grow the game of golf, all they're doing is basically destroying it. And what do the Saudis hope to achieve? Here to discuss, Belfast Telegraph journalists Gareth Hanna and Andrew Madden. We're talking about this subject again because of the Live uh, Golf Tour story. Gareth, just what is that? So for people who don't know uh, much about how golf operates, there are two main tours in the world, the PGA Tour in America, which is the, the number one, and then what was the European Tour. It's now the DP World Tour, uh, which is still effectively the European Tour. Um, so those are the big two. And you can play in both? You can play in both. Yeah, you can play in both. And, um, do, pe- and do people do that? Uh, more or less, although most of the top players will go to America, the likes of Rory McIlroy, um, and even Graham went to Graham Adol went to university in America and sort of hasn't really come back. They come back and play in the Irish Open and some of the bigger tournaments in Europe, but more or less the, the top players spend their time in America. So Live Golf then is a rebel tour that has been set up. And the front man is an Australian golfer, maybe former golfer. He's in his 60s now, Greg, Greg Norman. And he interestingly tried to set up a rebel tour in the 1990s because of, um, of various issues he had with the PGA Tour. So it didn't get off the ground. He's tried it again and he got a lot further this time with Live Golf. 
so it's a it's a tour that uh, this season is uh, aiming to have eight events by 2024. They want to scale it up to 14 events. Um, and the money to put this all together, here's where the controversy comes in, uh, it comes from the Saudi Arabian uh, PIF, which is the it's like their fund. It's, it's, it's the fund that took over Newcastle United uh, a few months ago, which is probably what people, the first time people heard of it, maybe. And um, this is uh, seen by many across the world as a very blatant attempt at, uh, at sports washing. And who's gone over? And are they top golfers? Are they past their sell-by date? Who are they? <laughs> it depends who you ask. So the main player who first went over was Phil Mickelson. He had done an interview back in November. It was only published in February, and that's where the news of this really broke. Uh, and it broke in rather spectacular fashion when, uh, as part of this interview, Phil Mickelson was quoted as calling uh, the, the investors scurry mother effers. I've made, said and done a lot of... Uh things that I regret and uh, I'm sorry for that and for the hurt that it's caused a lot of people. I don't, um, I don't condone human rights violations at all. I, I, I don't think it, I, I, nobody here does um, any, throughout the world. And I've also seen the good that the game of golf has done throughout history. And I believe that Live Golf is going to do a lot of good for the game as well. That's where the controversy came in because he was acknowledging that the human rights record of Saudi Arabia is atrocious, but he wanted to go ahead with it anyway. So Phil went over um, because he said uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reform how the PGA Tour works. He has uh, a lot of issues with the PGA Tour. He's been quoted more recently as talking about a lot of his beef is to do with image rights. So the PGA Tour owns the player's image rights um, and he is not happy with this. He plays in, I suppose, an extracurricular thing you could call it called the match and he says he has to pay the PGA Tour a million pounds every time he pays that for his own image rights. So he's very annoyed at this. So he sees Live Golf as an opportunity to get some leverage he always talks about against the PGA Tour. So that's one of the reasons people get involved. But as for the other golfers that are involved, obviously Graham Madul, which is probably why we're talking about this and why it's such a big issue for the Belfast Telegraph. Uh, just this week, um, it said that Brooks Kwepka is going over his caddy, Ricky Elliott. Um, a lot of golf fans will know is from Port Rush. And then... Brooks is probably and Dustin Johnson would be the two biggest names I've gone over now they're the only two players within the top 20 in the world at the minute that are there Dustin's 16th Brooks is 18th so when you're asking about the quality well there's two of the top 20 involved there are other big names the likes of Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau Sergio Garcia Lee Westwood Ian Poulter a lot of even casual golf fans will know these names but uh, a lot of them aren't really challenging on the PGA Tour anymore. And you can read into that what, what you will. So there are people who have been, for want of a better word, golf dissidents for a while. But there does seem to be, it does seem to, it feels like it's it's all about the money. So the one player who has been honest enough and upfront to say that is Bryson DeChambeau, who's a bit of a um, a villain character, shall we say, in golf, but at least he came out and said, this is a business decision. What would you say to the, the people that are critical of you of where this money is coming from? Uh, you know, for me, it's a business decision, first and foremost. Um, there, there's a, uh, opportunities globally to do business with anyone and everything, and I understand people's opinions on that, but for me, What's gone on has is, is, is not been, been great, but they are moving in the right direction from what I can see and what we've talked about and what we've had conversations about. Which effectively meant, this is for the money. 
and a lot of people suspect that that's the case for everyone but you have Phil talking about leverage against the PGA Tour as his reason for going you have Graham Madole whose reason was probably the most bizarre of all because he talked about how proud he was to help Saudi Arabia on their journey to where they want to get to and that's where the sort of fury around him started because after he said that Rob Harris I think it's he's an AP journalist who had asked off the back of that what good does that do for uh, women in Saudi Arabia, for LGBT community in Saudi Arabia, um, for the people in Yemen? 377,000 people have been killed in the war in Yemen um, involving the Saudi-led coalition. So what good does that do? And Graham said, I wish I had the ability to talk about that, but uh, he wasn't willing to. At this stage, I want to bring in Andrew because we've sort of started to talk about geopolitics there this journey that Saudi Arabia is supposed to be on. So, I mean, let's talk about it. Why would this be a problem, Andrew, Saudi Arabia setting up its own golf? Well, where do you start? Their human rights record is nothing short of shocking, really. Even most recently in March, they carried mass execution of 81 of their citizens, some of whom were actually children when they were there first arrested. They were minors. But it goes back, I suppose, one of the, um, the issues that has come up in some interviews is 9-11, because it has to be remembered that 15 of the 19 9-11 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia and there's always been accusations that, you know, funding um, for that attack came from Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia has been um, a big funding source for Al-Qaeda over the years. I would say to everyone that um, has lost loved ones, lost friends in 9-11, that I have deep, deep empathy for them. And then... Another incident that made headlines around the world would have been the murder of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Um, he was, um, well, uh, first of all, he was a Saudi Arabian citizen. Um, he was also a journalist. He wrote for the Washington Post and a few other outlets. And he was um, a vocal critic of the Saudi Arabian government and those in power. And in 2018, he went into um, the Saudi Arabian embassy in Turkey and he was murdered. I'm certainly aware of what has happened with Jamal Khashoggi, and it's, I think it's terrible. And now the CIA, CIA have said that they've laid the blame at the feet of Mohammed bin Salman. He's the Saudi crown prince. Um, and then, obviously, ongoing is the war in Yemen, where, as Gareth said, hundreds of thousands of people have died. That really started in 2011, whenever there was a bit of a power shift, and things started to fracture a bit, and then Houthi rebels... Um, started launching attacks in a bid to overthrow the government and Saudi Arabia didn't like this. They would be a neighbouring country and they were worried that Yemen would become a satellite for Iran, who are their, well, sworn enemies. And it should also be noted that UK and US support the Saudi coalition or part of the Saudi coalition, rather that have been, well, accused of widespread uh, civilian casualties, carpet bombing um, and other atrocities. So... We, we've called it sports washing, but what we mean by that basically is that a government w with a lot of image issues internationally tries to use sport, for example, to try and clean up that image. Well, essentially, it's, it's a distraction. Um, it's the age-old, something bad's going on over here, we'll make you look over here with something nice and shiny. So they're putting a lot of money into this, into the golf tournaments and into even boxing and other sports um, in a bid to make headlines to kind of drown out the other headlines, the ones about human rights abuses. So what you're saying is it's not exactly an effort to make Saudi Arabia look good. It's an effort to get us talking about this yeah. in a more cynical way so we don't watch the bombs falling in Yemen. 
Exactly, yes. You know, and they, they would maybe argue, look, more people are going to watch these live tournaments than they're going to watch the news and see the bombing of Yemen. So therefore, it's good for us. You know, with the simple, you know, quid pro quo in terms of bad publicity and good publicity, which outweighs the other. And a good way of doing that is to pump millions into these massive tournaments um, in order to get column inches and broadcast time. Are we talking blood money here? Well, yes, essentially, because, I mean, the Saudi Arabian government um, is able to control power in Saudi Arabia through these, you know, things like the mass executions, you know, um, restrictions in terms of um, religious freedom or freedom of expression. And without Saudi Arabia sheiks with all this oil money in power, then, you know, these things, I guess, aren't going to happen. So as long as um, people are in power and make money off um, the misery of others, then this is going to continue. And Newcastle United is basically in possession now of the Saudi government. Next year championship is for Newcastle. Yes! Oh, it's unbelievable. Like, just look, just look. It's, it's unbelievable. Such a sick feeling. Well, it can only be a good thing, you know. Well, it was quite ironic that it happened shortly before uh, the Premier League decided that uh, Roman Abramovich, the Russian former owner of Chelsea, could no longer own Chelsea, but yet it's uh, it's okay for Saudi Arabian, um, the Saudi Arabian fund to own Newcastle United. So there, there did seem a little bit uh, a little bit of a confused stance there over those issues. But really, it's it's been talked about for a long time that this might happen. I think going back maybe as as long as 15 years um, and finally got the go-ahead from uh, the Premier League who deemed it acceptable and, and you talk about how it works and how the sport washing works well you look in the stands at Newcastle United now and you have fans in mock headdress so proud of, of their Saudi Arabian owners and, and what they're going to do and the millions that they're going to pump into the club and all of a sudden now you have people in England who are talking about what what, what, do you know how great Saudi Arabia is for them? Um, absolutely amazing. Um, it's been 10, 15 years in the making. So for many fans, and we can see that in Newcastle United, if it's if it, if there's success in the pitch, if that's being bought, and I mean a lot of success we've on the pitch is bought ultimately when a new owner comes in, when they've got the millions, that's what fans want, that people can either turn a blind eye to human rights abuses or somehow become very supportive of Saudi Arabia. It is difficult for supporters. I've written about this in the past that um, all of us have a responsibility if we want to see an end to sports wash and if we, if we disagree with human rights abuses then do all of us not have a responsibility not to support um, the teams or the Gulf uh, tours that, that take this money on but then you put yourself in the place of a Newcastle United fan who works works hard all week works 50 hours a week their priority in life their number one love in their life is their football team so you put yourself in the shoes of a Newcastle United fan who's like that and you say oh no you have a duty to the people in, in Yemen that you can't support your football team anymore so I do think we all have a responsibility but that's very difficult to say that to uh, a Newcastle United fan but um it is also, there will be a lot of people who point out that it's um, very difficult to see just uh, how excited the, those Newcastle fans were about this and there didn't seem to be, I mean, I've tweeted recently about Live Golf and compared it to Newcastle and used the NUFC hashtag and any time you use that, you get a lot of Newcastle fans tweeting you back about uh, uh, some not very nice things about what you're saying about their club. There, there just doesn't seem to be any sort of balance there at all. I think it has to be said though that, I mean, fans can come together and affect change. I mean, that was seen recently yeah. where they bid for the... The, was it the Europe Super League? 
yeah, yeah, yeah where fans came together and quickly nixed that idea. So if there was enough Newcastle fans to voice opposition to that takeover, it, there's a good chance it couldn't have, didn't, wouldn't have happened. Now, we've been talking about, I suppose, almost in idealistic terms, you know, sort of expecting people to see human rights abuses, to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's an old cliche to say sport and politics don't mix. But over the last century, that clearly hasn't been true. It's simply not true. At no. all. It hasn't. I mean, you have to go back to 1936, you know, when the, the Berlin Olympics with Jesse Owens winning four medals, much to the chagrin of Adolf Hitler. Um, but over the years, there hasn't been, I don't think a decade's went by, when there hasn't been um, a major intersection between sport and politics. The Black Power disciples, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the Olympic 200 metres gold and bronze medalists, had been suspended by the United States Olympic Committee and given 48 hours to leave Mexico. The right glove that I wore on my right hand signified the power within black America. If you look at the South African boycott over apartheid, um, boxing, the rumble in the jungle, or the thrill in Manila, when both those countries, the Philippines and Zaire, were run by dictatorships, it's always been the case. I think it feels, though, that live golf is slightly different to me anyway, because all of those other things, the Olympic, the Olympics is obviously an existing massive sports tournament. The boxing, the Formula One Grand Prix that goes there, they're all part of existing massive structures. Live Golf has been set up. Its sole purpose is to sports wash Saudi Arabia. That's it, because the PGA Tour already exists, the European Tour already exists. Golf has massive structures there, but this is a brand new thing that has been made um, funded by, by Saudi Arabia so to me it's it's maybe taking it to another level yeah I would say that's that's true as well because you know you have maybe you have hundreds of, of boxing fights you know every year only one or two major ones and then maybe only one or two of those would take place or would be involved or accused of being involved in so-called sports washing but do you fund an entire new tournament for this that sole purpose is something we haven't seen before I would say we have the World Cup in Qatar, a country not known for its green pitches. Um, we had the 2018 World Cup in Russia, and let's not even get started on Formula One. Well, where is the line drawn? I think a lot of countries really need to have a good look at themselves, really, when they're accusing people of these things. We mentioned there before about the mass executions in Saudi Arabia. Look about the amount of executions that happen in America every year. You know what I mean? It's on the statute books, and. I mean, the, the UK's treatment of, you know, Windrush and other incidents, they haven't had the cleanest reputation in these countries, but the thing is, where do you draw the line? Is there a certain level of human rights abuse which is acceptable before you pull the plug? Or But you can you can ask this in a different way because people do use this sort of argument as to, oh, well, well where does it stop? Because So you can't question this because you haven't questioned... Um, any any of these other things you haven't questioned American you haven't questioned China any of of these things but then you ask well where does it stop when can we start questioning if this is the most blatant attempt at sport washing ever which it's very possible then do we not need to stop here and have a wider question about why are we allowing any of these things not oh well we've never questioned it before we can't start now then I suppose you have to look at when when you say allow I mean there is no actual rule being broken to prevent or to stop this happening there's no law in place that says you can't do this as such 
I suppose we're getting into a classic situation as a difference between boycotting and platforming. That is to say, you know, perhaps we're not going to boycott a country. We we much really much would prefer if you were more like us, more liberal and had human rights, etc. But, you know, you can come to our tournament. But there's a big difference then between that and saying, why don't you host the tournament? Exactly, yeah. I mean, even we will see this with the, the Russia and Ukraine conflict. The world's four boxing governing bodies, some of them refuse completely to um, sanction fights involving Russian athletes. But then there was um, one of the governing bodies actually allowed Russian athletes to compete, but they weren't allowed to fly the flag. There was no national anthem, no Russian symbols. So there's different levels of engagement or lack of it. And Saudi Arabia did have a, a tournament on the European tour over the last few years, which Graham Middle won in 2019, I think it was. So they, they were they were involved there in the European tour. But uh, yeah, this is a different thing altogether. So let's go back to the golf. We started with the golf. Let's go back to the golf. Gareth, where, where do you see this ending up? Well, that's a it's a very interesting question. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens because uh, we said Brooks Koepka was the the latest player to go over. If but there's only two in the top twenty. If more of those top twenty start going over, then the PGA Tour has potentially a, a real issue on its hands. But um, Rory McIlroy has probably been the chief cheerleader of uh, of the PGA Tour and of players not going over to live tour. So there's there's no doubt there's power struggle now in golf and golf has been has been ripped in two. There were uh, reports at the US Open last week of uh, one of the other major American players, Jordan Spieth, who um, had seen two players standing in the tee box and went over to talk to them. One of them was a live golf player and one of them was a was a PGA Tour player. Went over, talked to the PGA Tour player and the, the guy who's gone to, to live golf sort of uh, went to say hello and Jordan just uh, blanked him and walked off. There's a there's there's a rift now uh, right down uh, golf, and um, players are now being forced to to pick a side, and it's going to be very interesting to see just how far live golf can get. And Rory McIlroy certainly has picked a side, and he's certainly been very vocal. Are you, are you surprised about that? Not really. I mentioned the Saudi Arabia tournament that was in the European Tour over the last few years. Graham Middle won it, but Rory never played in it. And when he was asked about this, um, uh, he'd sort of given a lot of a lot of what Rory's talking about is not the uh, the human rights side of things, but is more just wanting to play on the PGA Tour where there's big crowds, where there's history, where there's legacy. He keeps mentioning all of these words. Although he did say that time when he was mentioned when he was asked about that single tournament that there was a morality element to his decision not to play there. So he's being very uh, true to the stance that he's always taken in all of this. And Andrew, just I mean, you you've been men- you mentioned the and you had a rather, I don't know, realistic, realistic, cynical view of the Saudi Arabian g- g- game plan. Do you think they're going to get their oil money's worth out of all of this? Well, we'll have to wait and see, but um, I would say so, because at the end of the day, a sports fan wants to see the best version of the sport that he follows as he can. Um, and obviously, you know, this isn't the top golf tournament in the world yet, um, but people will tune in to watch it. And it's just a matter of will enough of them tune in for it to make a profit or do Saudi Arabia even care if it makes a profit? If all the top players in the world start to go over, then it's going to work. Um, the other side of it is that some fans are getting behind it because they're annoyed at how, like even trivial things such as how the PGA Tour TV coverage works, there's too much adverts on it. So I'd rather just watch this thing on YouTube where there's new adverts to watch. Andrew Madden, Gareth Hanna, thank you very much. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound designed by Graham Davidson. The clips were from Sky Sports News, ABS News, CBS, the BBC, NBC, Sky News, British Pathé and Fox News. 
When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a 75 euro O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply.